You're listening to the Built Shapes Podcast, presented by Midco Sports Network. This weekend, Midco SN is your home for summer fun with live dirt track racing from River City Speedway in Grand Forks at 7 p.m. on June 25th and 6 p.m. on the 27th. Plus, we'll have live coverage of the Carson Wentz AO1 Foundation charity softball game from Fargo on June 26th at 7 p.m. It's all happening on Midco SN. This is how we do sports, and this is the Build Shapes Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Build Shaves Podcast, our first summer pod of 2021 alongside UND Athletics Director Bill Shaves. I'm Alex Heinert. Bill, happy summer. First day of summer just the other day. We're, we're taping this on a Tuesday morning, the 22nd of June. How's the summer going for you? Going very well. It's been, uh, boy, it's been hot, you know. I, mm. I think, uh, you know, you know. It, fortunately, uh, we got some rain on Sunday, right? Needed that a little bit. Uh, so, but it's been, uh, it's been good. Um, ever since competitions concluded, Alex, I, I, you know, I haven't seen as many student athletes around, uh, which has been a good thing. Uh, I think coming off the year that we did, I think there's a little decompression time that, uh, the coaches were really thoughtful of, uh, in regards to, making sure that, you know, you kind of have to get away a little bit. And so, you know, I've seen some for sure, you know, based on summer camps and a few other things that are going on. But I I do think though, uh, you know, coming off this past academic year, it it was incredibly important that you took a little time for yourself. And, uh, and then hopefully knock on wood, we're heading into a better place, uh, given, you know, where we are as a country in in regards to infections. And, uh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll know, It'll be interesting as we get to competitions this upcoming year, as far as what uh, the regiment or protocols may be. But, you know, today we don't know what that answer is, but uh, uh, I look forward to seeing, uh, you know, what transpires. Yeah. You mentioned this summer and, and kind of the flow of it and getting a chance to step away and kind of take a break after such a hectic winter and spring with so many sports packed in. Just to juxtapose that to last year when people were taking an enforced break in the summer and couldn't literally couldn't be together, couldn't do the normal cadence of the summer. How refreshing is it just to sort of get back into a normal routine now as we get ready for the 2021 academic year in a couple of months? Yeah, incredibly, um, you know, good for a lot of folks, right? And certainly our, 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 our mental, uh, well-being as well. And, uh, um, yeah, so we're trying to, you know, ease into it a little bit. I made sure that, you know, obviously our, our students needed, uh, some time, our coaches, our staff, you know, they just got to make sure that they take care of themselves and, uh, you know, but maybe we get into some normalcy. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm hopeful that our protocols, Alex, will be more akin to 2019, 2020. That's my hope. Um, You know, I think we're seeing sports right now that are playing currently. Uh, Let's call it the NBA and the NHL. I think they're still uh, abiding by the protocols that they uh, instituted at the beginning of their seasons. And so I think once we get to a certain point, let's just say when Omaha ends on the baseball side right now, I I think, you know, the NCAA will start looking at what it will look like from a competition standpoint as we head into, uh, you know, mid to late August uh, into September. How do our student athletes actually do the competition piece? And then who, uh, you know, what it looks like to watch the competition. And Mm -hmm. and today, I will say this, today, we're planning on 100%. We're planning on 
pre-pandemic numbers on everything that we're doing at this point in time. So that 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 is our default position. Now, <laughs> as we know, we've always had schedules in play to some degree, and we've had to pivot and alter. But you know, we just got to see where we are uh, come August one, August fifteenth. But but certainly from a I'll call it a season ticket standpoint, a um, tailgating standpoint, all of those things. I think, you know, everything that we're doing, you know, we're talking full throttle. Oh, well, that's exciting to hear. I know that was always the hope, I think, that we could get back to that. And with vaccination rates going up and numbers of COVID cases going down, that was, I think, in the realm of possibilities, certainly. But great to hear that that is uh, a good possibility and, and at least where we're going to start from uh, come the fall, at least right now. So one of the big reasons why we wanted to do this podcast now, again, as we planned one kind of each month in the summer leading up to the start of the 2021-2022 school year, there has been a lot of news in the last couple of weeks since our last pod at the end of May. One of the big things that has been on our radar for a while, the Supreme Court making some big decisions with a couple of cases involving student athletes, including the Alston case. Bill, talk us through that. Yeah, so Alex, so there's really two things happening at once right now, and they're they're into some degree. It's incredibly confusing in some ways. You've got name, image, and likeness. That whole conversation that's happening in the U.S. Senate. So we've had some Senate hearings about you know the ability for student athletes to make money off of their name, image, and likeness. That's one conversation that's out there. More to come on this. We still haven't gotten the legislation as to what that looks like. I'll call it the rules of engagement. I'm still I'm still wondering, like in the Chaves household, if you come to, let's just say, game night, we could be playing Clue. We could be playing Rummy Cube. We might be playing Sequence. So I'm not quite sure what the game is we're playing right now. I don't know. And so I might think we're playing Clue. We may not be. And so I am waiting for that information. And then we're ready to educate our student athletes on what that would look like. What transpired with the U.S. Supreme Court was a lower court ruling called the Alston case that that was that ruled in favor of of Alston in this case to increase what is educational expenses. So that's exactly what came out yesterday. As we record this today on a Tuesday, that came out yesterday on Monday. So in essence, and, and, and again, not to get deep into the weeds on this, Alex, but it's permissive legislation, but it has to be tethered to academics in some way, shape, or form. So in some ways, if you like, here's how I'll liken it. I'll liken it to cost of attendance. You, you, not all schools actually provided cost of attendance. Not all schools do right now. We do, but not all do. And so this is very similar. Like you could potentially look at some things and say, oh, now we can pay for something like a laptop, if you will, mm -hmm. for a student that might need it. And we're going to have to put those you know, processes in place uh, institutionally, internally on what that might look like. So that's what came out yesterday. And so, you know, again, good to know, uh, you know, that's fine. Um, and so now we work with it. So um, I don't know. I, I've become much more malleable in my old age. I, I just, you know, I, <laughs> it, 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 the pandemic has put a, 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 a situation to us that just give us the rules. And you know what? We'll figure it out. 
and we'll educate our student athletes, provide them an awesome experience, and you know what? Get them representing the University of North Dakota. Yeah, that's good that you bring up cost of attendance because that's when I read about the Alston case and that ruling. That was my first thought was, oh, how? But how is how does this differ from that cost of attendance ruling? But essentially, it just expands it. It just increases it. Is that correct? Yeah, I just say, it, it, you know, I, I would say if you. Um, if you ever, uh, as the growing Heinert family uh, exists today, if you ever did like a college 529 plan to some degree, they will have in there what is appropriate uh, academic educational expenses. And so at the end of the day, I'm not suggesting that that's exactly the rules of engagement out of there, but it'll be something like that. So at the end of the day, we might be able to do something that otherwise we couldn't do, let's just say last week. But we may not need to do it or may not have, let's just say, the resources to do it. So you may or may not do something. So, again, uh, just the nature of permissive legislation, I would say, let's just call it the power five, the top 65, whatever you want to call it. I, I think they'll probably go all in on whatever it is you can do. But then I think others and I'll consider us an other. Um, you know, we will decide on, you know, what we can afford, you know, based on our budget. Well said. Good. So just another another piece of the puzzle to try and figure out as we drift into this new school year that's a couple months away. Why not? Let's throw another thing in there. And then in terms of NIL, and you mentioned this, this is this is right now working its way through Congress. And I, we've, we've seen some of the conversations in the Senate. What are your thoughts on where they are right now with that? Or, or where, what can you tell us maybe about where they are in this process of figuring out what to do with this? Yeah, so here's what's happened really. So absent of legislation from the NCAA for I'll call it a long period of time, states took it upon themselves to pass their own NIL laws relative to what student athletes can get within their state or permitted to get it with their states. Now, what's happened is because we don't have today, we don't have legislation that permits this from an NCAA standpoint. You could do something that's legal in your state but technically then could be ineligible to participate from an NCA standpoint. So what's happening right now is you're trying to marry the two. That's what's happening, but you're trying to do it. I would say um, now in a difficult scenario, because you have a lot of different States that have put laws out there that are not similar. And so the idea to go to Washington DC was, can we get them all to be the same? That's what, that's ultimate, kind of like maybe the seatbelt law. That, that's what, what, what mm. I would say. So we all, you know, so if you drive through South Dakota into North Dakota, you kind of want, you'd like the seatbelt laws to be the same as opposed to you drive. And now they're totally different for our student athletes uh, in this, in this space, in this space. And so, Probably a lot more we could dive into this as far as, you know, digging deep. But the reality of it is that's the reason why we're in Washington, D.C. Now, Bill Chaves's personal opinion at this point in time is that if you have to go to the Senate, U.S. Senate, to kind of solve your issues, probably not awesome. 
because <laughs> I was thinking back to baseball back in the 90s, right? I don't, I don't think anyone signs up to want to have to bring their enterprise in front of the U.S. Senate at this point because there's just going to be a lot of differing conversations that it's hard to be narrowly focused on, on one topic. And so that's kind of where we are right now. I'm waiting again for the rules of engagement. I'm, I'm wondering what game we're going to play. And then I will educate and we will monitor just like we do all other rules in the NCAA. And we'll try to keep our student athletes, um, obviously eligibility intact. That would be the key. And um, if they have additional opportunities in this space that they didn't have before, bully for them. Hmm. That's a really good summary, just to kind of get people back on track of, of where we are with this process. And uniquely in the midst of all this, the D1 Council, right, is meeting this week, correct? Today. Today, today. meeting today on Tuesday. I'm assuming this will probably be maybe part of that conversation. What are some of the big things that they will be digesting as they get together today here on the 22nd of June? So I think, uh, I think given the, the news yesterday from the Supreme Court in the Alston case, that has now provided some additional information as to what potentially legislation in the NIL space should be. I would assume that all of today and all of tomorrow should only be talked about that. Now, I don't set the agenda. I haven't seen the agenda. I would have one topic on the agenda. That's what I would do. Um, but I do it sometimes in our own staff meetings here. Sometimes when I feel like we really need to get dialed on something, we go in and we talk about one thing to get, uh, the, I would say, the best ideas out onto the uh, uh, floor and then kind of take it to our, our staff. I sure hope that's what's occurring right now and because we need direction. We need some guidance uh, institutionally. Um, we got some information from uh, the association late last Friday that basically institutions to some degree are going to have to figure this thing out themselves. That's I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but that's kind of how I read it. But we still need some rules of engagement because we're all connected together. Yeah. So you still have 350 odd schools connected together. You still all need to understand what it is we're, we're trying to accomplish here. So um, fascinating times. Aren't they? <laughs> they, they, they uh, boy, just when you think it was going to be a nice, quiet, easy year, right? We just got through the pandemic and let's just get back to normal. And now there's all these other things you got to figure out. Do you feel like there will be some resolution to this bill before we get things going in August? I've been wrong about a lot of things, Alex. Um, I sure hope, you know, I, as they like to say, you know, that's probably not good strategy, hope. Um, but I hope that we do. Um, I hope we have something here this week or at latest early next week so we can get our um, arms around it because as of July 1, I think we've got about six states in the country that NIL laws are going to be in play. And so um, I know in the states of South Dakota and North Dakota, there is no NIL laws, which is actually fine. It's fine. But we need the legislation to figure out what's what's possible. And I'll be honest with you. I'm good with it all. I'm good with it all. I just need to know the rules. Yeah, that's it. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, 
I, I, I mean, again, and it's not going to be forever. If you need to tweak them, you tweak them. But right now we've, uh, and my guess is, Alex, we were, we collectively, the association probably was waiting for the Alston ruling. I think we knew that the Supreme Court was going to be ruling here in the not so distant future and turned out to be on Monday. And so now that we know that, not in it, they're not exactly the same, but we probably needed to know that information to then put NIL legislation in play. Oh, makes sense. Yeah, kind of one one small domino to fall to this bigger issue and, and we'll I go think from so. there. Yeah, okay. Well, that's good to know. Well, hopefully we get a little resolution and you, get, you can know what the rules of engagement are moving forward and we don't have so much uncertainty with what our student athletes can do and what will keep them eligible as we move forward. That's, that's the hope. We will continue to see how that all comes together over the next couple of weeks and months. So some interesting yes. conversations to come from an NCAA perspective. Uh, a little closer to home, uh, Missouri Valley Football Conference meetings are coming up. And in person, you mentioned, Bill, not just a Zoom call, getting together in person with these people, fellow athletics directors. And I'm assuming Patty Viverito, the, the uh, commissioner of the MVFC. Uh, what are some of the things that are going to be discussed this week as we get ready for our second season, our first fall, but our second season here in the Valley? Yeah, you know, I think just what we discussed right now, like we just finished discussing, I think probably will uh, take up a good chunk of our time. Uh, How does that how does that uh, work for us? Right. I call it mid majors, if you will. Patty Viverito does sit on the council. David Harris, the athletic director from Northern Iowa, sits on the council. Justin Sell from South Dakota State sits on the council. And so we've got some incredibly good representation uh, because of um, the various, uh, uh, you know, Patty represents commissioners, Justin, the summit and David, the Missouri Valley. So, so we're going to get some really good information about what transpired this week, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. And and truthfully, that's going to probably dominate a lot of the conversation because you know, this is kind of a little bit of a change on how you go about your, your, um, you know, how the standard operating procedure is going to be for intercollegiate athletics. So uh, it's great. So the presidents will be there as well. And so it'll be athletic directors and presidents and and certainly uh, Patty and some of her staff. And, uh, you know, just coming off the year we did and just kind of a unique spring season that we kind of pulled off. I think having the conversations about how that worked and, you know, what we're doing maybe in the summer leading up to the fall, it's just all unique stuff that we've never had to deal with before. And I think just getting around a table face to face and being able to get some even offline conversations in play, I think should be exciting for us all. So that's Friday. Um, So uh, excited to go down there. And, uh, you know, certainly if if anything pops out of it, that's next time we do this pod in July, we certainly can uh, talk about it then. We will will talk more. Yes, for sure. Um, It is exciting to think that that's not too far away. Fall camp really is just about a month and a half, less than that really from kicking off. And then, uh, you know, Drake home game coming up on September the 18th, the fun Friday night game on national television at Utah State in the mix as well. And you've seen the release now times for home games are all out there on the website, fightinghawks.com. So check those out. It's going to be a really fun fall football season and excited to get sort of a normal year now under our belts in the Valley with non-conference games, regular conference season, 
Hopefully no last minute cancellations. A UND team that was just picked, I think seventh in the Athlon preseason poll. A couple All-Americans, Otis Wea named to the preseason All-America team. So there's a lot of buzz around this program right now. And it'll be fun to see that kick off here before too long. Yeah, and I think uh, if if Bubba was on the uh, on the um, on this pod right now, I think all eyes uh, is Pocatello at this point in time, right? Mm-hmm. Like just uh, you know, Idaho State's going to be tough. They're always tough at their place, and uh, and we you know they've done a good job against us recently. You know they've they've found a way, um, and so we've got our hands full. Uh, uh, game one, and uh, hate to say that that's the most important game of the year, but it is. Um, you know, until the next one. Until the next right? one. Until the next one. And so, uh, but yeah, you're right. Um, some nice uh, preseason accolades uh, based on what transpired in the spring, but it's just that preseason. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think we all worry about postseason accolades. Our hope, Alex, uh, again, back to hope. This is a really good strategy for me today is uh, that we have a better uh, travel experience than the last time we went to Pocatello, <laughs> which was... Uh, Never by way of Bemidji. Bemidji. So, uh, yep. Boston probably to Bemidji. not awesome. Yeah, yeah, probably not awesome. So, uh, you know, we found a way to get there, um, but uh, it was a tough day for us. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, that, no, not, not one that we want to necessarily reflect on during this pod, but a great chance to sort of redeem that and, and, and erase that particular result from that weekend back in the big sky days and, and uh, start this 2021 season fall season off on the right note. Yeah. Um, you're, you're starting the journey, right? Like, like yeah. whatever transpired at the end of 21 spring season, um, you know, yeah, you can build on some things, but this team will be its own team and, and it will carve out its own identity. Yeah. Football, volleyball, again, cross country, those sports getting ready to go in the fall uh, basketball. We now know what the summit, basketball conference schedule is going to look like this has been something you've talked about for a long time once we got to 10 teams the hope would be we could do a home and home situation and you'd have travel partners and mirror scheduling bill all your dreams came true it is exactly what she would have wanted now coming up for summit league hoops yes i hoped for that too alex yes (laughs) (laughs) um you know i think we've talked we talked about it in previous pods is that you know we were um lucky enough uh, to be in the big sky where this was the type of scheduling. And I just think most importantly, most importantly for the students, there's a sense of normalcy on a week to week basis um, that I think is incredibly important. And so when you get into that consistent flow, then you kind of then, you know, the, the next set of dominoes are out there for sure. Our fan base, right? Our fan base to some degree, unless you're playing your travel partner that week, you can pretty much count on Thursday, Saturday, and it's either, Hey, men or women are at home. Perfect. Perfect. And, uh, I don't know. I just, I became a big, big, big fan of it in the big sky. And, um, you know, yeah, I, if I guess I was going to be loud on something that was, I was going to try to push that to some degree, but again, I'm one voice in the room. And at the end of the day, obviously others thought the same thing, which is awesome. And so, uh, I'm excited about it. I really am. How about you? No, I am too. No, I was, it was fun to see the schedule come out. Uh, and we got to see a sneak peek a couple of weeks ago before it was officially announced. And it was like, Oh, my first thought, first of all was, well, Bill, <laughs> Bill won the day in that particular conversation. But the second thought was, yeah, the big sky was so simple. You knew that if the men were home against Montana state, the women were on the road 
against Montana State on that Thursday night. And then that, that would Montana would be coming up on Saturday. And this will be the same situation. North Dakota State is going to be UND's travel partner, which makes perfect sense. You'll have the South Dakota schools together. You'll have St. Thomas and Western Illinois together. You'll have Omaha and uh, Kansas City together. No, Omaha and Denver together and Kansas City and uh, Oral Roberts together. So you've got geographical partners that make sense. There won't be as many of these crazy trips across the country and just the simplicity of it all, I think, is going to go a long way. And, and you said it, for the kids to know what to expect, for the coaches to plan, and for the fans to know, hey, it's a Thursday night. I know we're someone's at home, and, and we know who we're going to play, and we know who's going to be coming up on Saturday. It just It's going to be such a nice departure from uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday, maybe. To, are we playing on a Tuesday? Who are we playing? Are we, are we home or away? What's going on? It just got, so, and last year, of course, was unique in itself with, with double, double headers, which was, which was fine and kind of fun in its own way. This, though, seems to be a, just a much more positive outcome. Way to go, St. Thomas. I'm really glad that they decided to make the move up to Division One, and that that's going to be a really good fit for the Summit to allow us to get to even teams and make this happen. You know, the only thing, Alex, and everything you said correct, I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, the one thing that was good for, for Midco, you had more content on different days, which is we, cool. We did, yeah, from a television standpoint. Which that is, good. is correct, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, is, which is actually, you know, there was some incredible value in that, both for probably Midco and the Summit League. And the, mm-hmm. and the member schools because you got more exposure over the course of the week. Now you have to make some choices and decisions that otherwise were a little bit easier when you were using more days of the week. But I just think the consistency of it, and I, I, I do think there's, you get your head around it easier. I, I just, I just, it makes it simpler for, for, I think many to, to kind of understand, you know, where, where schools are at and you know where you know you, you can, can dial into okay i don't have to worry about sunday monday tuesday wednesday okay i'm back in it now <laughs> thursday friday saturday okay what's yeah. going on and it's almost like hockey right with the friday saturdays yep. it's mm-hmm. football like once a week you, you you there's a there's a rhythm to the season whereas before the, there was a rhythm to last year i just didn't know the beat I think free jazz was how I would describe the last couple of years in the Summit League of figuring this out. Everybody, everybody's just kind of playing their own notes and freestyling. And and now we're back on, the orchestra is back flowing across the page and it, it makes more sense. But yeah, it's it, it's uh, it has led to some difficult decisions on what games to broadcast. And we've been lucky that we've been basically been able to say, yep, every home North Dakota game if it's in the Summit League, we're on, it's going to be on our airwaves. Now it's trickier because a lot of schools are going to be you know, playing. Everybody's playing the same night again. And so South Dakota is going to be hosting the same time North Dakota is. And SDSU will be it. So we, we have some things to figure out there. But the great thing is, at least from a UND fans perspective, if you can't make it to the game, if Midco doesn't have it, we have a great partner in with our UND production crew in Valley Sports North formerly Fox Sports North, that usually puts on the games that we don't get to do. So I know Kyle Doporowski, and you have said, you know, the, the hope is always to get all of our games on television in one place or another. So even if we can't get all of UND's home games on the air this year, someone's going to pick up the slack someplace else. Well, the other thing is, too, um, it, which is kind of neat, too, uh, you know, when you're doing a game, if let's just say Midco chooses whatever game they choose, but you've got other, it's just a lot of action happening that night. Right. Mm -hmm. Like there's so much happening around the league at that point in time that, you know, whether it is cut ins or whether it's, you know, just getting to wherever it's kind of a cool deal where, you know, it just feels like uh, 
tonight's tonight's summit league night right mm-hmm. saturday is summit league day which is awesome yeah there's there are positives too and i think more the positives and we both agree far outweigh the, the few th- you know no double headers oh that's kind of too bad double headers are fun or some of the little things that go along with that the positives are so much greater than than the negatives so looking forward to hoop season uh december 22nd uh it's a wednesday north dakota women hosting north dakota state the men down in fargo that's how we'll kick things off as we transition into the 2021-2022 basketball season at least on the conference side non-conference announcements coming up i assume in, in the weeks ahead as we get a little closer to the season yeah we're pretty much uh dialed in Alex, uh, we're just finishing off uh, getting the contracts back. So uh, uh, before we announce anything, we just want to make sure that we've got everything. We think what we believe to be the non-conference schedule, but we just got some things to tie up. Interesting. Every sport's a little different. Uh, Basketballs are the year of still as far as contracts. Not so much. We're we're trying to get ahead a little bit, at least a year out, a a year or two. And so we might have some of those contracts at this point, but the majority, you know, interestingly uh, in that sport is still kind of the year of. So we're working on that, but, you know, hopefully we'll get something out sooner than later so that people can plan. Speaking of non-conference, hockey right now is announcing their non-conference schedule online, sort of a daily release of other fun non-conference games to look forward to. We've already seen the conference schedule, of course. It's going to be a great year. We won't, we won't spoil the release of some of these non-conference games. We already know, of course, about Penn State in Nashville. Um, we know that Manitoba is going to be on October the 2nd. But there are really some big-name teams coming in and some great conference series to look forward to. This is a, a smart move by the athletics department where you sort of get these exciting moments in the summertime when we're still months away from the season to start about, hey, just a reminder, this team's on the schedule this year or mark your calendars for this weekend. It is fun to, to increase that level of excitement even when you still have a long ways to wait. It's like Christmas in July, Bill, really, is what we're experiencing right now with the hockey and yeah. football and basketball schedules coming out. I, I, I would agree. I, I think it's a uh, it's kind of a fun way to to um, I don't know to to get everyone excited about what's coming up. And uh, you're you're not wrong, Alex. The, the non conference schedule that we're going to be playing this year is is fun. It's exciting. It's challenging. Um, all of the above. And so uh, and we had to do some. We had to do a little bit of adjusting based on the COVID piece. And so uh, you know what what you might've thought it was at one point in time might've been altered a bit just because of, you know, conversations with some schools that uh, otherwise would have been home this year for us. And we lost it last year. So we had to do some, uh, some juggling. So, so stay tuned to the, uh, um, to the presence being released. Yeah. North Dakota hockey Twitter is sending those out one series daily. We already know. (laughs) Niagara has been released, the home opener on October 8th and 9th, and then Bemidji stayed a home and home the 15th and 16th of October. Again, much more to come over the course of this week. Uh, one, one other cool hockey note, they obviously released last week all of the incoming freshmen. The week before, they officially released the transfers that are coming in. 13 new members on this hockey team, Bill. That's half the roster is being turned over from a team that had so much continuity the last couple of seasons. It will be fun to meet the new guys and get to know them and see what Brad Berry and the staff do with this group. Be a challenge as well to sort of figure things out now, but I'm assuming a fun challenge because it appears that they have brought in a number of really, really high-end guys, either via the transfer route or, or the normal means of recruiting incoming freshmen. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the evolution of a, of a college hockey or college team is, you know, there's graduation. 
you know, um, uh, but as, as, as someone once said to me, tradition never graduates. And so uh, we just have another group now that will add to the tradition of, of, uh, of uh, UND hockey. And uh, yeah, just like, uh, just like you, um, you know, it's exciting uh, to, to see new faces and obviously some uh, have played uh, uh, already. And so they're coming in with uh, tremendous credentials. And so uh, see how the puzzle pieces fit. I mean, yeah. I, you know, again, I, I, all looks good on paper until uh, you actually drop the puck. Right. Yeah. And so uh, I know uh, the coaches are incredibly excited about it. And, um, you know, it's amazing, you know, what that group accomplished that has departed obviously some still coming back um but uh but at the end of the day uh should be should be a fun group uh to get to know all right let's flip over to a summer edition of the b-side and it's been kind of there's a lot of stuff going on summer summer this year certainly has been busy a great nhl playoffs great nba playoffs some wacky stuff going on in both sports for us though the red sox have sort of been I'm guessing the main focus the last couple of weeks and the, for, for good reason, they're, they're leading the AL East. They're having a great summer. What have you made? You've said all along, you thought they were going to be sneaky, good, you know, a scrappy team that was going to find a way. And that's basically what we've seen so far this year. Yeah. I, I give, uh, I give the team some credit. I think they've, uh, um, they've certainly scored runs. Um, so that's been pretty good. I think they've played some pretty good defense. Um, you know, pitching has been okay. Pitching's been okay. That's I was really concerned about uh, what they would, you know, look like certainly in the starting rotation. And uh, ironically, Alex, you know, easily the worst starter is is supposedly our best starter, Erod. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's got an ERA over six. Hmm. I mean, that's not great. I mean, well, maybe last game he got it down under six. It was like six point oh four. So uh, it, it just that's not good. And so, uh, so hopefully he can pitch better. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think they're going to be in it the rest of the year, certainly to, to, to potentially even get a wild card berth to some degree, but, uh, Tampa's tough, you know, obviously with Glasgow going down, it's hurt them a bit. And I know, uh, the Sox are playing, uh, uh, in Florida, uh, this, the race. Uh, yep. mm-hmm. yeah, starting this week. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, it's been pleasant surprise, but they've been fun to watch. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, I think with Cora back at the helm, he's helped stabilize some things and, uh, yeah, I, I don't think they're the best team in the American league, but I think they're, uh, I'm not sure who is, I'll be honest with you, but, um, take your chances if you can make the playoffs. Yes, absolutely. A far cry from, Last year, so <laughs> and the year before, um, yeah, they currently have a half game lead over Tampa Bay. Big series coming up with the Rays here as we near the All Star break, which isn't too far around the corner. Chris Sale, maybe, maybe come. There have been positive signs. Maybe we're going to get Chris Sale back at some point. One of the unique things, not so much even just about the Red Sox, but about baseball in general, has just been this this strange obsession now with with pitchers and and foreign substances and gripping the ball and like different stuff. There have been a lot of uh, a lot of conversation about this kind of batters and pitchers having pretty strong statements about this. What have you made of the, this new focus and the, you know, the pitchers really being under the microscope right now in the game? You know, I, I, it, truth be told, I I really don't know um, the inner workings of that per se. But I thought it was interesting. I, I Dave O'Brien, Jerry Remy. 
uh, who's back in the booth, who, who, who I guess it yeah. was uh, had to go to the hospital again, but he sounds like mm-hmm. he's uh, doing better. And Tim Wakefield, actually, we're doing the game on Sunday, so I was listening to him about it, and it was quite interesting. You know, it, it seems as if both pitchers and hitters are good with some level of substance to help the pitchers grip because <laughs> those balls are very slick. And I think hitters are concerned about it. You know, obviously, yeah. I mean, going, going in, in high and tight or, or whatever, just losing the grip. The question is what's sufficient, right? Like in, in, is this other stuff, was that too sticky per se? And did it, and did it, you know, do some things that otherwise you couldn't do yourself. And I think that's what it's always been that way since the beginning of time, right? Like, are you putting something on the ball to make it move funny? Or are you doing it to actually help the both your, the pitcher and the hitter? So I think, I think, interestingly, some substance seems to be okay by the players, but there's debate over what was being used at that point in time. And I think what was kind of like weightlifting uh, substance, mm. I think that's kind of what it was. It's interesting. This, this even harkens back to the conversations we had earlier about the NCAA rulings on different things, like just knowing the rules of engagement. You know, everybody just needs to know, here's what you can do. Here's how much stuff, substance, whatever, you can put on the ball or on your fingertips. That's okay. And and once we get to that point, then if you cross that line, that's it. That's, you, that's, there's an issue there. And so it's just funny now. It just feels like there's such a gray area all of a sudden about this. And you'd heard stories about this. But I feel like in my lifetime, this has not been something that has been in the forefront. And now it seems like this is every, well, every game. It seems like there's conversations about this. Yeah. I, well, so I, I think there's a few things happening here, right? Why is there a rosin bag? My guess is to help, right? To help, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, get a chalky feel. Yep. Dries your so hand you a little a bit. You have grip. more of a Dries your mm-hmm. hand. That's yep. one. Two, if when it's cold out, you can go to your hand to some mm-hmm. degree. Well, that is to get a better feel for the ball. And so I think, I think you have all players okay with getting a better feel for the ball. I think as Jerry Remy said, it was when he was playing the Oakland A's and the ball was doing funny things that he kind of yeah. drew the line. You know, and then, you know, Gaylord Perry, uh, you know, he, he made a Hall of Fame career out of who Cheating. knows what he was putting out. <laughs> oh. Baseball has gotten into like weird things over the course of time. I, I remember growing up, you know, there used to be you literally you literally did not have to be on second base in a double play. Like you turn hmm. the double play. And as long as you're somewhere in the area, the area. Yeah. you would catch it and throw to first. And it'd be like, yeah, that's not the rule. <laughs> that's not the rule. Actually, like, right? Like, you actually have to be on the base. That's kind of a double play. So, anyways, I think this is the same thing. I think they'll get to an okay place. Obviously, this stuff has taken it to another level. And apparently, and again, I'm not into spin rates and all that other stuff, but apparently this stuff really helped you, you know, spin it more so mm-hmm. than you could is if you didn't have it on. Yeah. And what's unique too with the game is that you you have three outcomes anymore, right? Between pitchers and hitters. It's either going to be a home run, you know, a walk or a strikeout. It feels like that's the only thing that's happening. And pitchers seem to have such an advantage anymore anyway. So any opportunity to give them even greater advantage and reduce... The scoring in, in a game that, you know, you kind of need some action and activity. I think there's just concern there. I think that's where you see 
the the major leagues trying to crack down on some of this stuff and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out over the course of this summer and into the postseason here come come september and october and 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 again that's been a choice too right like where uh, you know you can make a choice to try to make contact but that doesn't seem like a thing anymore yeah no not not you need to make big contact yeah (laughs) yeah (sighs) well from baseball which we're enjoying right now, to an off-season of soccer. So Bill loves Tottenham Hotspur. This, this is Bill's English Premier League soccer team, has been for a while now. And they fired their manager, Jose Mourinho, back right before the FA Cup. So this is back in, towards the end of the season, essentially, late April. Two months I believe, ago. Right? Two months yeah, ago. two months ago. Since then, here is the list of managers that Spurs have had, quote-unquote, advanced talks <laughs> with to become the next Spurs manager. I'm just going to read you the headlines from The Guardian. Ready? This was dated back at the end of May. Tottenham yeah. hold talks with Mauricio Pochettino over return as manager. Fast forward about a week. Antonio Conte holds Tottenham talks and is the leading contender for the job. A week after that, Tottenham call-off move for Antonio Conte after talks with coach breakdown. A week after that, Tottenham in advanced talks with Paulo Fonseca over manager's role. A week after that, Paulo Fonseca agrees to become the new manager of Tottenham. That's on June 13th. Four days later, Spurs open talks with Gennaro Gattuso after Fonseca move breaks down. (laughs) An hour after that, Gattuso declines Spurs' job. Two days ago, Jurgen Klinsmann declares interest in Spurs' job after Gattuso talks called off. And here we are on June 22nd. Six managers later potential managers later and you still don't have a coach bill you know and, and again I, 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 I know many many that well if you're deep into the pod right now I, again my condolences we're sorry whatever you want to say but but you're here but you're here you're so here. uh so i might as well throw it out there i think if you go back i don't know i think this is pod 91 we're heading towards a century this uh, is pod 91. Point. Yes. Yeah, we're yes. Gonna, we're going to get there at some point. Cause I, I do remember, I don't really remember him, but I, we hit 90. So I, I, I can remember that. <laughs> so, uh, so I think if we went back, I, I, my call was Graham Potter. I mean, and, and I'm not sure why we're, I don't know why we're messing around with anybody else. I like his, I like his resume. Um, I like his, I, I like what he would bring to the table. I like how he plays. I like the preparedness. I like that he's been in the league already. I like that he's English. I like, uh, there's, there's a lot of things to like about it. He, he feels like the next uh, Pochettino type of thing coming from a, 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 a team that maybe didn't have as many resources as Tottenham does. But, you know, but also you're still not going to Man U too. So at the end of the day, you're you're going to a – a, a, a generally a four through eight type team. I mean, I being honest, four through eight, which isn't bad. And if you have a good season, who knows? Maybe you could finish third, second, or first. You never know. But at the end of the day, I don't know what we're waiting for. I, I mean, that's it. I, that's what I got for you. I, all the other stuff. <laughs> yeah. We hired a sporting director, though. That mm-hmm. did happen. Correct. Mm-hmm. That's one. That's one step in the right direction. Yep. It, it's been f- interesting to see this saga play out over the last, yeah, really two months. Certainly since the season has ended, it's been 
wild speculation and it's been funny to watch and we will see who they end up with ultimately but it is an attractive job still I think at the end of the day especially with some of these guys like Antonio Conte wants to spend money and wants to win and going to Spurs where you were going to be selling players again it was just reported yesterday that Manchester City is going to offer potentially 140 million for Harry Kane this summer you know I'm all in Spurs are, yeah, I was going to say, I'd catch that check. I would, I'd probably say yes. Based on what we've seen from Harry at the Euros so far, yeah, maybe it'd be a good okay time to sell. <laughs> well, here's, here's what, and, I, and we've said it on this pod before too. I mean, I'm going to repeat myself. The Spurs got the best Harry Kane. So uh, you, whomever gets Harry Kane right now will get a really, you know, a, 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 you know, a team like City we'll get a really good Harry Kane because he will finish and he'll have all guys around him. But if Harry Kane, let's just call it went to Brighton, you know, I, I, I think Tottenham got, will have gotten the better Harry Kane. And so we should note that Harry Kane is not going to Brighton or any, or probably any mid-level club, but you do bring up a good point that his, his prime, he's in the tail end of his prime and needs Jaco- a team it's around him. Ellsbury. Yeah. It's Jacoby Ellsbury. Jacoby Ellsbury. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's exactly same deal. Like, you know what? Take the hundred plus and try to reinvest it into some other, uh, you know, and again, I, I was not there as a fan when Bale got uh, sold and I'm not sure, I'm not sure they did a great job, you know, with who they brought in at that <laughs> point in time. But yeah. You know, it's just interesting. I, I don't know. Grand Potter. That's what I'm going to tell you. Grand Potter. Yeah. All right. We heard it here first. Last thing before we go. You have been watching the Euros. There have been some great stories. Again, all these games are on ESPN and ESPN2. So if you're looking for something other than baseball to watch, the Olympics won't start for a while. Get into these European soccer championships. They've been really fun. Some tremendous individual games and matches that have been fun to watch. The biggest storyline, though, has been the fact that former Spurs player Christian Eriksen basically was declared dead on the pitch during a match. He had a cardiac arrest in the first game of the of the European Championships for Denmark against Finland. They brought him back to life on the field. And, and now this Denmark team, after being, you know, having gone through the ringer, really, emotionally, to see one of your friends and teammates basically die in front of you, They've now come back and they had an unbelievable game yesterday, Bill, to qualify for the next round. Like, what are the great moments, really, for, for me in sport that I've seen in a long, long time? Yeah, you know, it, it, we're, we were both commenting before the pod. We were both watching that particular game where, uh, where Erickson went down. And it was scary stuff. I mean, really scary stuff. And obviously he had, uh, he had a heart attack. I mean, that's really what happened. I mean, he, he had a heart attack on the pitch and uh, they revived him. And uh, he had, um, for lack of a better term, somewhat of a, I guess, a, um, a defibrillator put in to his uh, you know, heart. And so that will kick it going. And we were saying, ultimately, he might be now in better shape to continue to play than what he was prior to that you know, obviously episode and incident, really scary stuff. Um, but, you know, kudos to everyone that saved him. Kudos to his team. His team was awesome during that. I mean, there was just a lot of heroes uh, that occurred there. But really a small nation like Denmark where, you know, they're so tight. And uh, then it was hard for them. They had to finish that match. I mean, yeah. and, and I heard some things about what was right or right. There was nothing to be any good 
at that point in time. At some stage, you, you really had to make a choice whether the team wanted to stay in the competition. Probably that was the conversation more. And if they wanted to stay in, then at some point you did have to finish that first match to get to the second match. And um, it was, it was awesome to see that uh, they made it on to the knockout stage after a big win yesterday against Russia. And, uh, and you could just see the joy and uh, in a nation, literally. And yeah. uh, that's what sport can do sports special in that regard. And uh, you know, as they make it to the knockout stage, the round of 16 starting probably sometime in the weekend or whatever it is um, should be, should be fun. Should be should be a lot of fun and um, be interested to see. I you know what's interesting to me and I haven't dug deep into this, but you probably know the answer to this. It's it's six groups of four. Mm-hmm. The top two of each group go, and then four of the threes go. I don't know mm-hmm. how you figure that out because you're not you don't have any cross pollination. Well, it's all it's all points. So so you take the the four third place teams who have the most points or if there's sure. a tie who have the best goal difference. So not, not perfect. It's, it's a, it's no. a weird, and we, we've no. seen a lot of numbers about how like you play all these games to only eliminate this many teams. That seems odd. Like why wouldn't you just, but this seems to be the best thing. The Euros, by the way, just expanded to, to 24 teams five years ago. 2016 was the first time they moved up from 16 where it was very simple. Four groups of four, top two advance. You have a quarterfinals, a semis, and a championship. And that's it. And then they ballooned it up a little bit to include some of the smaller nations. Um, and, you know, it, it is what it is. It feels odd that you'd have a team that maybe could go one and two essentially in the group stage and make it through. And we're going to have a couple of those teams that have just one win and two losses move on. But it is that Denmark is that exact team who lost their first second. two games. And they, they finished, finished second. second. Yeah, they so, finished second. Yeah. It, you know, I think you could have, I mean, the, the, and maybe you can't, but I, it just, it's, it's interesting. And each year will be its own, but um, eh, you get, here's the deal. I try to, you know, win, win matches and don't put yourself in that position. And then you're in the knockout stage anyways. And yeah. so uh, <laughs> it should be fun. It should be fun. Yeah. It'll be a great run up. Who do, to, who do to you like end. right now? Who do you like? I think England's been a little pedestrian. Yeah, they they did not look great the other day against Scotland. Um, They have scored one goal in two games, which is not great. Um, At at the time of recording, they are getting ready to play the Czech Republic coming up here at 2 o'clock this afternoon. So we'll see how that goes. They've qualified for the knockout rounds because they have a win and a draw. And that's enough right now based on how everything else has gone. They should be better based on the, the type of quality they've got in their side. They just haven't quite clicked just yet. Doesn't mean they won't. But they've looked okay. Um, Italy has been fantastic. Italy and the Netherlands have both won all three of their their group stage matches. Uh, Italy has won, goodness, um, they have 11 clean sheets they've posted in a row. They have a 30-match unbeaten streak. It's their longest unbeaten streak since the 1930s. They have a really fun, exciting team. But now Italy was aided because they were playing in Rome. And the Dutch went unbeaten. They crushed everybody in their group. They've been playing in Amsterdam. It's a unique Euros where they've got all of these different host cities. And a lot of the favorites were able to play in their own backyard. Germany's been playing in Munich. Spain's been playing in Seville, etc. So now, as we go to the knockout stages, at least for this first round, everybody's going to be kind of shuffled all over the continent. So you lose some of that home field advantage. So we'll see how a team like Italy does when they have to go play in Wembley. Or we'll see how the Dutch do when they got to go across. So we'll see. But right now, Italy feels like they're the favorites. Belgium have looked really good. They've won all of their group matches as well. They're the number one team in the world. 
France was the prohibitive favorite coming in. They're the 2018 World Cup champions, but they drew against Hungary the other day, a Hungarian team that's like ranked in the 40s in the world. So you just don't know. Any, in, in a game like and it's just like hockey. In a game where the scores are low and you only play for 90 minutes, it's, you know, these, anything can really happen. If you come up against a team that is really strong defensively and they get one break and get a cheap penalty or get a goal on a counterattack like Hungary did in that game against France, you, you could find yourself on the outside looking in. So it's going to make for a really fun knockout stage coming up and, and some more drama to come here as we finish up the group stages. Well, and the reason why I was thinking, you know, about the, the uh, third place teams, I, I, I literally asked my son this. I asked Derek, you know, how on earth was it just random draw? How does France, Germany and Portugal yeah. end up in the same group? <laughs> so it's based on your qualifying results. So Portugal finished second behind Ukraine, by the way, of all teams in their qualifying group. So they got put into a different pot. France won their qualifying group. So they're in a certain pot. Germany won there. So they're in a certain pot. And, and then it's, it's based on coefficients of like, what's your FIFA rank? How did you do in the nation's league? Like there's all these different things. So most years you would not have three superpowers in one particular group, but because of how Portugal qualified, there's this outlier that is stuck in a pot with where they don't belong. They won the competition in 2016. They shouldn't have been in a weaker pot, but because they finished as runners-up in their group, the odds of them getting placed with two other really good teams was high, and it just worked out that way that they all got thrown together. But it's wild because Germany won the 2014 World Cup. Portugal won the 2016 Euros. France won the 2018 World Cup. And here they all are all together in the next major tournament. And it's made for some incredible matches, some really fun drama. And now Portugal and France get to play each other. And the reality is, even though four third-place teams will move on to the knockout stages, there's no guarantees that Portugal is going to be one of them. If they get blown out by France, they will not advance. And that would be a huge, huge upset. Cristiano Ronaldo and company not moving on. So we'll see what happens Come up. Uh, that, I believe that matches tomorrow. So should be fun. Well, it was uh, fascinating to see, and you're, you're exactly right. They've got to get a result against France now, right? I mean, they've got to put themselves in a, in a weird spot. They have to get a draw to ensure they'll move on. And they'll know at least because they're playing on the last day, they'll know exactly what they have to do goal difference wise. But they they were aided by a big win over Hungary in match day one. So they were a plus three. They won three nothing in the first day. Then they got blown out by Germany four to two. So they're still a plus one on goal difference and they would have the tiebreaker over Ukraine and Finland and other countries that just have three points. But you're right. You really can't put that to chance because if you go down by one or two, all of a sudden you're a goal away from going home. And that's That's what makes these tournaments really fun because things in that Denmark-Russia game that happened yesterday that we were watching, Denmark went from, okay, we need to win two to nothing and we need Belgium to beat Finland. And at one stage, they had everything they needed. They were up two nothing and Belgium was up one nothing. Well, then the Belgium goal gets called off because it was offside. And then Russia scores. Now you need two more things to happen. And, and then they, it all worked out okay. They won, they won four to one and Belgium won two nothing and it worked out. But that's what makes these games going on at the same time so much fun because things can change in an instant. And well, it's, and, uh, it's great drama was, for sure. I was watching that Germany-Portugal game. And, and it, what's awesome about it when you're in the middle of this, even at 4-1, you cannot pitch the tent. I mean, the, the scoring that second goal was huge for them. It was huge for Portugal. That's right. That gives them now a great chance to advance, even if they don't win, as long as they don't lose by too much. Soccer, international soccer. It just, it's really, really fun. And we're excited that it's, uh, it's taking place on a platform we can all watch.
So sounds good. Sounds we're good. good. Well, we've gone too long on this particular one, but we got another another pod coming up at the end of July. Bill, glad things are going well. Enjoy your time with your fellow MVFC commissioners and, and athletic directors coming up this week. And we'll be in touch as we move along here in the summer of 2021. Yeah, I hope everyone uh, has a great, great summer. I think uh, what it, it actually uh, was summer here on Monday. So mm-hmm. uh, uh, enjoy, enjoy the rest of the few weeks. And uh, Alex and I will be back at you probably sometime in July. Yes, we will. Looking forward to that. Bill, take care. We'll talk to you soon. Folks, thanks for listening. For Bill Shaves, for Cassie Nell as our producer, I'm Alex Seinert. Have a great summer, as Bill said, and we'll be in touch as July rolls on. Mm-hmm.